Boom! There it is, ladies and gents. Man, I'm excited. It's been three weeks that I've had off with the kids in the summertime, but now it's time for the business bros to get back in business, and we got a show for you. Let's do this thing. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Is your business in need of customers? Then you found the right show. Hernan Cias is the business bro, and he makes getting customers fun and easy. Watch, listen, and learn as each episode is designed to sell. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right, ladies and gents, this is your friendly reminder to like, share, and subscribe, because every time you do, you help an entrepreneur find a customer, and a customer find a solution to their problems. All right, ladies and gents, let's drop some heat. Yeah, we got a great entrepreneur on the show. All right, here we go. As an entrepreneur, data, numbers, and the results are what run the show. We know that paying attention to the data will pay us dividends in the long run. However, too many entrepreneurs live life in crisis mode, struggling to pay the bills, but working towards that dream all the same. Today's guest helps take a business in crisis and turn it into a business run by the numbers. I'm excited to hear how this CPA with over 35 years of experience as a CFO is helping uh, turn struggling businesses into well-oiled machines. So let's welcome to the show from strategicbusinessadvisors.org, Carrie Prejean. <laughs> All right, Kerry, welcome to the program, my friend. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. All right, man. Let's jump into this thing. Uh, entrepreneurship. It sounds like a great idea when we first think about it, right? Most people are going to their nine to five and maybe they experienced COVID. Maybe they did. They still had to go to work. Regardless, the dynamics of the way we traditionally went to work changed. And now you got people who are like, you know what? I'm going to jump into, the, into this entrepreneurial space. I'm just going to create my own business. And then reality sets in. Uh, it's not quite as easy as it looks. Uh, welcome to the program. What's been your experience so far when working with clients and how do we get them out of this crisis mode? Well, going back to what she was pointing at is that people want to become entrepreneurs because they want the freedom. They want to be able to set their own hours. They want to work with who they want to. You know, they, don't, they don't want the confines of an eight to five, nine to five job where they're working to make somebody else money, right? So generally, a good entrepreneur is going to be good at something and they know it. They're good at sales. They're good at manufacturing. They're good at construction. They're good at uh, wholesaling or relationships and they know how to make money. So they're going to start, I'm going to make money for me to mm. do that. And what happens over time is as you build the organization, as you increase sales, you have to build the organization to be able to keep your own efforts up, right? Because can't, can't do it all. So you start hiring people and that's where things get messy. And what the, what's missing is that, the owner, the entrepreneur has some idea of what, you know, this person's coming in to do X, Y, Z job. That's, that's what they're going to do. And the person coming into the job generally has more experience doing that than the owner and has their own idea of what it's supposed to look like. So what happens is, is this conversation between people becomes incongruent. They don't mesh. So imagine you build an organization of, say, 40, 50 people with that kind of dysfunction going on. And what happens is the business owner, because it's the business owner's baby, it's my baby, it's my life, it's my identity. They want to run around and, and, and uh, what I call manage the minutiae. They want to get their fingers in everything. They're managing all the day-to-day -day stuff that 
really that's what they're not good at. They're good at you mm. know what, what got you to start the business. So um, that's that's the problem. That's the main problem is business owners think because they started the business because they own the business that they're the best people to manage the business, and they're generally they're generally not because what makes them a good entrepreneur is going to make them a bad manager, or what makes them a good manager is to make them a bad bad entrepreneur. I mean the the skill sets are almost uh, diametrically opposed. I mean, what, what makes a good entrepreneur? Somebody who sees opportunity, they take risks, they take action, they make things happen. What is a good manager? They want everything pretty static. They want to just, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. That drives an entrepreneur crazy. Mm -hmm. So rather than learn how to be a good manager and unlearn how to be a good entrepreneur, we'd rather you stay as an entrepreneur and be real valuable to the company. You know, you can hire a manager. Go out and get some business in the front door. We're gonna we're gonna take the dysfunction out of the business and let the business operate transparently without your interference. So you can go do the things you want to do. So you don't have to work 800 hours a week. So you can go take a two, three week vacation if you want to. You don't have to go out the place is gonna fall apart when you leave, which is generally the one of the concerns of most business owners when I first meet them. I can't leave this place, it, it'll it'll fall apart because they're always they're always putting their hands in everything. Yeah, no, what you're describing has been written about over and over again. And the example that came to my mind was Michael Herber's uh, E-Myth Revisited, right? Where you're talking about these are three completely different mindsets going into these things, three completely different skill sets. But you need them all for your organization to function accordingly, right? And I love how you said the entrepreneur is really good at what he did to get this business started, not necessarily all these other hats that are that are involved. So let's, let's break it down. When you come into this organization, what is it that you do? What do you do? <laughs> okay, three things. There's three things, three main things I do. One is get them actionable financial data. Actionable, what I mean by that is financial data that's new enough, that's, re, that's in real time enough that they can actually do something about it. Like get them mm -hmm. weekly dashboards about what are your receivables, payables, Sales month to date, uh, cash flow. What does it look like over the next one, two weeks, three, 30 days? Uh, are you paying your taxes? Are you filing them on time? Are you paying them on time? Whatever key, uh, KPI, uh, key performance indicators that the business needs, you give those to the owner in a form of dashboards every week. And you try and I generally try and get them all the same day at the same time to where I can go over them with the owner and just show, you know this is what this means. And after you know, a few weeks, a couple of months, the business owner knows how to read the dashboards. You know, kind of mm -hmm. like when you get in a car the first time, if you've never driven a car, you know what the dashboard means, right? True. So teach them what the dashboard means, how to, and let's say the dashboard, uh, well, say you're in a car and you gas me to start, you know, you gas me that's on E and it's light starts flashing. That means you better get some gas. Same thing with your uh, business dashboards. If it's the second week of the month and you've only built one-tenth of the month's budgeted revenue, that's something wrong. Hmm. Is there a bottleneck in billing? Have you just not sold enough? Uh, did some big order fall through? You know, Find out what it is, then take action in the month rather than find out the 20th of next month. It's too late to do anything about it. Are you... So you, want, you, you want actionable financial data that they can actually make some strategic moves off, make some corrective moves before it's too late. Yeah, because in the past they've been doing everything impulsively, right? I mean, the only accounting a lot of times that I see, especially with small businesses, is they pull up their online banking, they look to see if the account has enough money, and then that's the next day moving forward, right? And some of the the yep. biggest bills that they worry about is it's Friday. Do I have enough money to pay payroll? Like, and, and it blows my mind. But and it's it's funny, you know, we laugh about it, but at the same time, 
it's because they're dealing with so many other things, right? I mean, they're, they're dealing with the picking up of the hammer or the washing of the dishes or the talking of the client. They right. feel like they don't have this time to do this. First of all, to get the numbers in order. Second, to even be able to put them on a dashboard where they can actually read the, the information and make some good judgments off them. Um, and third, to even learn how to do all that. And you're, you're helping them get to that point. When people bring you on, is it on a fractional level or is it on a full level? Well, it, no, it's not on a full level and, and fractional. Fractional CFO, I don't really do the typical fractional CFO where I'm going to just, I'm going to do your financial statements. I'm going to work with just your bank. I'm going to try and help you with the overall company, right? Because dashboards is just a piece of it. In addition to the actual financial information, go with the financial statements once a month, once a month with the owner and tell them what are your financial sta statements saying about your business, They're like report cards. But if you don't know how to read them, and most business owners don't, you know, it's like a, a page with a bunch of numbers on it. Yeah. The second thing we do is we eliminate dysfunction. Why? Because that's where the owner, well, the accounting, cash flow, tax problems, the owner gets distracted with that a lot. But the dysfunction is where the owner gets pulled in all the time. And by coming in and taking over and rescuing and doing it over and over again, what is the owner telling his people? You and can't do it. You're not yeah. smart enough. You're not going to do it my way. You know, the, the De Niro line in casinos says the right way, the wrong way is my way. We're going to do things <laughs> my way. And so the employees get trained to not take initiative, not think on their own, not to try and go out and, and fix things or solve things because the owner's going to come in and say, like, you didn't do it right. And generally, the, the, the overall message is you're stupid or not. Mm. What are you stupid? Can't you see? And, the, you know, the employees don't have the same distinctions as the owner. They don't have the same investment in the, in the game. They have no skin in the game. It's not that business. Um, and again, con pretty consistently, business owners say, well, why don't they why don't they see it? If they saw what you saw, they'd have their own business. They see mm. opportunities rather than risk. They want to come here, do their job get paid, go home. And if you want to up the game, you're going to have to get your employees to trust you. And they trust you to an extent that they come to work, you're going to pay them, but they don't trust you like, why should I bust my bust my hump and put in extra effort? Why should I up my game? What's in it? Because most business owners, their whole focus is on make my business successful, make me rich, let you know, build my wealth. And nothing about, and how are you doing? How's your family? You know, what can I do to help your career? Do you have everything you need to do your job? Are you missing anything? Uh, you know, so anything to show some, <clears throat> what is it? What's the expression? They don't care how much, you know, till they know how much you care. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the big thing that missing with biz most business owners. They're so focused on the business. They're not focused on the people that actually make them the money that, you know, the employees are the ones that make the business go. It's a mindset shift, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you as a leader are there to support your staff, to be the one who comes in and provides them what they need so they can successfully complete their job. Uh, based on what you're describing as a leader, I mean, as, as the owner, I'm coming in to set up the KPIs, to set up the processes in place so that they can do their job. I'm not here to go in and do the job. That's the whole point of, of scaling but, here, right? Is but to but get that's yourself what typically out. happens. Yeah. yeah, that's what typically happens. The owner winds up doing all the stuff. He fixes all the problems. And, and so you have a you have an organization of people who don't know how to solve problems. They know how to do it on their own. And the, the third thing that I do that helps the business owner guide or steer the business into the future is long-range strategic planning. And why is that important? Because every person, every organization, every business, you're going to get buffeted around by the environment you swim in, right? Mm -hmm. Competition, technology, government regulations, banks, whatever. 
whoever, all these forces are coming at the business and the owner's job is to be strategic and to be uh, long range planning. They have to scan the horizons, constantly looking for what's coming at you. What are the opportunities that we can capture? What are the risks or the perils we have to avoid? And with that, you can build a, a long term strategic planning I guess navigation system. You don't you don't pick like one spot and that's it forever because over time, as you'll see, well, that's not quite what we want. Maybe folk, you know, change and technology things, times change. I mean, there was a time when uh, key punch machines were a big business. You remember that back in the seventies? Key punch machines, key punch operators. Man, that was a career. Disappeared. Yeah. Disappeared. Um, so anyway, so that is part of what the business owner is supposed to do with the long range strategic planning is to always be looking for how do I guide this business in the future that I want rather than wind up, you know, you go going down a river, you wind up on the rocks, you can wind up in the weeds, you can wind up on a sandbar. You need to learn to navigate over time. And that's where a quality CFO like yourself, somebody who comes in and understands this is so valuable. I mean, you're talking strategic planning and there's so many aspects of this, but um, my background, by the way, my degrees in accounting, my, I've had a tax practice since ah. about 2006, right? And so one of the things that blows my mind is that even though you can reach out to a business in October, November, December, to say things like, dude, we need to sit down and plan out the rest of the year before December 31st ends, not in January, February, you know, you're, by the way, you're a corporation. Yours is March 15th, you know, assuming we have the same fiscal year, right? It's March 15th, not April 15th. Like, I don't understand the, the concept of waiting till the last minute and then being reactive instead of the way you're describing about strategically planning and being proactive, saving right. the tax dollars, planning the depreciation ahead of time, put, making sure that you have cash flow in place for things. You know, the year doesn't always stay afloat. There's ups and downs in a lot of different businesses. So making sure that you have cash flow in place, all those things are what a good CFO brings to the table. The other side of that is what client is it that you want to work with? Because there's people who are just getting started. There's people who've been in business for a number of years and are ready to scale. Who is your ideal client? I am looking for qualities beyond the physical. Okay. The, the ideal client for me is somebody who's been in business and they're struggling with, they're suffering with a lot of what we're talking about now. They're, they're managing by checkbook rather than, you know, by, by using uh, dashboards. They're constantly called in to, to save the day, to rescue all the managing the minutiae. They get, they have no time for themselves. They can't take a vacation. They're working way too much. They're glorified W2 employee and they want things to be different. You know, the, you always hear business owners say, I want to take my business to the next level. Okay. Well, you're going to have to pull yourself out of management. And mm -hmm. the, the big question that I always start with, especially for the strategic planning is, <clears throat> you know how, you know what the secret of life is? The secret of life is getting exactly what you want. That's right. What's the secret to that? Knowing right exactly there. what you want. Oh, there you most go. People, That's so true. Most people go, what do you want? Uh, I want more money. Okay, how much more? Uh, um, half a million um, enough? A million enough? How much more? What is your ultimate goal for? You know, what, what about the business? What do you? What would satisfy you about the business? What kind of employees do you want to work in here? Do you want mainly kind of mercenaries who show up, do their job, get paid, and go home? Or do you want people who are committed and loyal? They can't get bought out by your competition. They want to up their own game. They want to up their own competence. You know, what, what geographic area you want to cover? What tech do you want to branch off into something? Do you want to focus just on one thing? What is, what is going to satisfy you? Not just about the business, but about your own life. And when you 
spent some time doing that. And again, it, it takes time because the first when you start asking those questions, like, um, well, uh, and after you start developing a picture over time by asking the question again and again and again, you focus up, you get sharp, and then you see strategic opportunities to take in your long range planning. Uh, in your business, short term, medium term, long term, and you're willing to take the action because now you're focusing the business owner on seeing the opportunity that's sitting right in front of them. Because they had, but they had to first, they first had to find out what it is that's going to satisfy them. And sometimes you have to wade through a lot of what I'm not satisfied with that. I don't want that. I don't want that. You have to wade through a lot of that to get to find out what it is you do want. Yeah, and then I, I know I personally struggle with that, right? Sometimes it's like that that question, what do you want, is such a simple but big question. It's difficult sometimes to understand. And then at the same time, every like five to 10 years of your life, you're in a different spot than you were before. So just like you were talking about in financial planning, strategic planning, you have a vision, but it's not solid. It's not set in stone or, or built in marble. Like exactly. you can shift and move as long as you know where it is that you want to go. So right. Carrie, let me ask you this. I teach um, a course called financial algebra, high school seniors. And these kids huh. are the ones that uh, didn't do so hot in high school. Uh, and so I teach in this course, I help them build small cash producing businesses. That's the idea to get them graduating high school with the idea that, you know what, maybe it wasn't college, but there's still opportunities out here for me. If you had the opportunity to talk to your younger self, pre-college or early college years, and you're giving yourself advice on starting a business, what would you say to those young people just getting started? Well, it goes back to the whole thing of satisfaction. Be clear about what you want. Be clear about what you want. If you're not clear about you what you want, man, yeah, kind of anything will do. Um, what's the old expression? If you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. Yeah. Um, you have to be real clear about what you want. You have to be real clear about where you're headed. You want to be real clear about what concerns, what concerns out there, what human concerns out are out there that I'm going to address. You know, and it doesn't have to be anything magical or mystical or spiritual it can be just you know i have a one one company the guy's totally happy he's started a, a company where he sells uh, flow valves flow meters into the petrochemical industry around here happy as everything makes a lot of money has a great lifestyle um and there's nothing all that magical about flow meters but it's a human concern that needs to be addressed yeah, it totally is. And, it, you know, it's funny. I had this guy on the show talking about how you don't really have to be super passionate about what it is that you sell. You don't have to be in love with it. But you got to get good at this one thing. You got to know what you're doing in this space. You got, you know, we were talking about Michael Berger, or Michael Gerber uh, earlier in the E-Myth. And this is where the technician part is. This is where I think you're really fine tuning this. What is it that you want in life? Because the end product isn't as big a deal when we sell things. It's the emotion behind that product, right? We, we buy emotionally. We, we justify logically. You know, making that business grow doesn't mean that it has to solve world peace, but it can solve your peace of mind and, and, and give you the life that you're looking for. You talk to, you know, you've been in this space for 35 years. You've talked to a number of different businesses. Did they all start off with this idea, this grandeur of I'm going to solve the world or did they start really no. focused and small? No, they, they all start off with, I want more time. I want, I want to be able to control my own destiny and I'm good at this and I can make money with it. I can make more money for me. You know, I'm making all this money for this other person, this business over here. If I do this for me, I'm going to make this money. I'm going to have the free time. I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to own it all. And again, you know, some of that they, they get beat up with when they find it's not, it's not as easy as it sounds. 
but uh, yeah, that's generally what it's for. It's not about they're not trying to save the world. They, they what about money? Go ahead. Yeah. What about you? I, I mean, you had. I mean, you could be an employee and stick to that nine to five, but you decided to venture off. What was it that thing? What was that thing in your life or that moment in your life where you realized, um, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own, and I'm going to help businesses go to that next level. Um, well, I mean, coming through the traditional accounting background, and again, I finished school a long time ago, but the, the, the tradition of accounting is reporting on what's already happened. You know, here's your financial statements for last period. Here's your tax returns for last year. Here's a financial report that's already happened. And I saw business owners struggle with that. And what am I supposed to do with all this? You know, all they knew is to go sell more, go sell more, go sell more. And that's not always the answer. A lot of times it may be your, de your debt structured incorrectly. You're structured, you're structurally fail. You're structurally going to fail cash flow because of the way your debt's set up, or your your pricing is wrong, or you got the wrong people in here, or you've got too many people in the organization. Uh, selling more doesn't always solve a problem. It, it helps, but um, so I started looking for ways to make some observations for owners about. You know this this is a, this is an opportunity here this might be an opportunity here what do you think of this and asking those questions gets them to think about oh yeah there is an opportunity probably the biggest one i can think of was i was um working with a client and he had this really expensive piece of property in houston he had this old antiquated cinder block plant on it and it barely broke even every month barely broke even every month and it's, i think he had like 23 acres it's probably worth a couple of million dollars it's right at the houston ship channel and i-45 and uh, I kept, I said, this is an underperforming asset. It's not it's breaking even. It's worth, I don't know how much money. How do you put, how much pen and insurance and property tax on thing? What can you do with this to better utilize it? And so he was beating the hell out of the, the COO to find something. You know, how do you improve the block plant? How do you improve the block plant? It wasn't thinking outside the box. In other words, how can we make this thing that's not working? How can we make it work better? It doesn't. So I met with the VP of engineering and, and I asked him, I said, what do you think we can do? He says, well, you know, maybe we can put a manufacture something that's like manufacture what? And he came up with this idea. There was a product they were getting out of England that had to go. The, the sold it had a nice 35, 40 percent profit margin. The problem was it took six, eight, sometimes 10 weeks to get in from England because they ship it over in a boat. There were a few times they had to air freight it over and it was expensive. So he said, he said, maybe we could put that, you know, put an extruder line together and, and make that product we get out of England. I'm like, OK, we'll get, get the numbers together on an extruder line and uh, we'll see and then in the process of finding out how to get the extruder line together they found some people who had put together some extruder lines and were willing to come work in, on a consultant basis so we put all the numbers together and it looked like it's in the cost i think it's around six and a half million bucks so I, we went and showed it to the owner i said let me go to the bank and i'll get you a loan for the for the this forty-five thousand square foot uh warehouse plant extruder line everything some offices he says you think you can do that I said the numbers don't lie. I said, you're making 35, 40% now. If we get the extruder thing going down here, you're going to make 75, 80%. So I went to the bank. It was no big deal. Slam dunk. I mean, when you show them the numbers and you presented in a nice, logical loan proposal, I mean, they had approved the loan without me even walking out of the building. We got the money. We built the plant. Brought the extruder line in. I'm still friends with the COO there. The VP of engineering is, is the COO now. Still friends with him. I met with him, uh, what, about a year ago? And I said, how's everything going in Houston, man? I still got the extruder line going. He goes, we have two other warehouses up now. We have seven extruder lines going. We started with shipping the product, the, the main product out to, to the Western Hemisphere. He says, we're making, I forget how many, 12, 15 different products. It's shipping them around the world. 
Wow. That's a, that's a kind of strategic thinking, the thinking outside of the box that can take you from you're going to continue selling, you know, you're going to continue breaking even on the antiquated block plant as opposed to let's think outside of the box and how can we better utilize this? You know, it, that's, it, that's the kind that's of stuff powerful. that you can guide your business. You can guide your business to a much better place in the future rather than the block plant's going to continue breaking even for the next 20, 30 years. <laughs> yeah, but that's powerful. And this is the power of having people on your team, right? I mean, yes. first of all, the owner didn't see the opportunity, right? The, the owner's just seeing this asset that's breaking even. And then since it's breaking even, I don't really got to think about it. But well, no, he, was, he was very passionate, but he, but he was wanting the COO to solve the problem. Mm. He, he was trying to make the COO make it a profitable block plant where that's, you know, that wasn't possible. That wasn't no, happening. Right? So you had to look at it from a different, you know, what else can we do here? You know, yeah. real thinking always happens in questions. You know, what don't we see here? If you show up with, I already know the answer. I already know this stuff. You don't learn here. You won't learn. If you show up with, what can I learn here? What am I, le- what am I missing? What is my perspective have me blind to that I can't see here? And welcome other perspectives because they're going to see what you don't see. Oh, yeah. I mean, as soon as you said, oh, we can do this, the first thing I know that popped into my mind was, well, how are you going to pay for that? And this is where your expertise comes in because you literally said, look, here's the opportunity. Let's lay down the numbers. This is everything that it's going to cost. This is the time frame that it's going to take. This is the revenue that we can bring in. And that's why the bank made it an easy scenario to, to move forward on. You had the team members. That, that owner had team members in place to – figure out what an opportunity is to structure the deal and put it in place. Now you can sit back and, and use that vehicle and drive it into what, seven locations you said? I mean, that's amazing, the seven different places. Seven, seven extruder lines. So they have seven basically manufacturing facilities, extruder line. You, you get polypropylene pellets, you melt them and you push the, the plastic through the thing. And at the end you have a die and the dies move as it's being pushed through there. And you can make these rolls of, grid type product you know um so yeah so it's from going from one extruder line to seven in about uh five years and they That's you know they're probably using up all the warehouses or they've got a nice office now instead of this old block plant yard with a trailer on it they moved the old block plant to baton rouge area uh we has that modern block plant so it just sits there and it cranks out cinder block uh you know day after day after day and they can actually make a little profit with it Anyway. Still, that's that. That's the idea. That's the power of having those team members in place and having a strategy for your business. Being able to implement something rather than just like I don't know the way the way a lot of entrepreneurs do it, and it's just they're just a fart in the wind. Like just there we go. Let's figure it out and hope for the best. It doesn't always work that way. Carrie, you've been a a great guest on the show. Before we head out, as we're getting closer to our time, do you have any last minute thoughts or something that you want to get out to the audience that maybe I didn't ask? Uh, uh, the thing I recommend to everybody always is to take time to think about what would satisfy you and like write it down, make it a, make it instead of, you know, some people want to keep a diary. That's fine. I would recommend that you keep visiting what's going to make me satisfied because the more you refine it, the clearer it becomes, the more you're going to be motivated to take action. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and all things I mean, I met my wife. I was uh, I was single and I was like, OK, so what 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 am I looking for in a relationship? And I spent probably a good six months refining and refining and refining what kind of woman I wanted, what kind of relationship I wanted to have. And next thing you know, when I, when I was pretty clear on what I wanted, she showed up. Isn't it weird not, how that works? Yeah, I'm not not trying to be 
woo-woo or mystical here, but life has an anxious way of doing that. When you're real clear about what you want, it shows up. And when you're ready to accept it, I feel like that's the other side of it. It only presents, life only presents to you things that you are either going to benefit from or learn from. They may not be the way you want to learn or the outcome that you want to have, but the lessons are still there in place. All right, Carrie, look, at the beginning of the show, my goal was simple. My goal was to put together an episode where we talked about what you do in your business at the highest, uh, and it's a smile on your face. So my question to you is, what was your experience like on the Business Bros podcast? Oh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I've, I've been interviewed a few times, and I always have some fun, but this one, the energy's higher. Uh, you're a lot more engaging and engaged. Um, I, just a, it's a different, younger, I guess, more energetic feel to it. I, I enjoyed it. One last thing, man, because this is one thing that uh, accountant to accountant, uh, tax pro, looking at financial statements, we're not, we don't have the most exciting background, right? But right. one of the cool things that I always love that's unique about us is people come and talk to us about money. Growing up, um, you know, my, my heritage is Mexican, Latin America. We don't talk about money. It's not, uh, it's culturally, it's taboo. And yet, because of our background, people come and open up for uh, open up to us in ways that I never thought was like normal. What's been your experience like, and how has it changed your life being able to talk about money? Yeah, uh, being able to talk about money is, you know, if you don't if you don't engage in a conversation, if you don't engage in a discourse, you will never be successful in it. Hmm. So you have to be able to, to talk about it. You have to be able to look at the pros and the cons. What's it going to cost? How are you going to fund it? Um, you know, it's, it's fine making money. It's okay. It's, it's, there's no nothing embarrassing about making money. Um, so, yeah, you have to be able to engage in the discourse for it to work for you. Otherwise, you know, if you don't engage, if you don't engage in conversations about money, um, you probably won't be very successful with it. Mm. You got to talk about it. Look, ladies and gents, Kerry was telling us, man, when he was looking for his significant other, he would spend so much time narrowing down who was this person, the qualities of this person that he wanted to find the world, the universe brought it to him. And it works the same thing with your business and it works the same thing with your finances. You got to get clear. You got to talk about what it is that you want. You got to put it on paper. I don't care how crazy you think that other person in the other room thinks your idea is. You have to put it on paper. This is your vision. This is your life. And this is your opportunity to take advantage of it. And when you have times where you're stuck, this is where you reach out to people like Carrie. Make sure you guys go to www.strategicbusinessadvisors.org, strategicbusinessadvisors.org, and set up a consultation. This is where things change. You might be good at your business technically, but to grow a business, that's a whole different skill set. www.strategicbusinessadvisors.org, strategicbusinessadvisors.org. Carrie, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for coming on, ladies and gents. My, 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 my pleasure, Anon. Love of it. course, man, of course. Time. All right, ladies and gents, we'll see you guys again a little bit later. Peace. And we're out. Thanks for watching the Business Bros. If you're ready to get more clients and want to work with the Business Bro, visit our website, www.businessbros.biz. 
and click on the Need More Customers button or learn how to generate more referrals with our video testimonial packages. Go to www.businessbros.biz. 